Nerds on Earth presents The Drift, a Starfinder podcast. This week's episode, we set our launch coordinates. While we keep our feet on the ground, this episode has us reaching for the stars. Hello, I'm Jaws from Nerds on Earth, and we are here for the first episode of The Drift, a Starfinder podcast. Now, you may ask yourself, why The Drift? Well, in the Starfinder world, the drift is the uh, hyperspace dimension that connects every point in the galaxy. And if that excites you as much as it excites us, then uh, then you're going to be pretty excited uh, about Starfinder. Uh, so I'm here today with Clave. Say hello, Clave. Hello, nerds. <laughs> and uh, we're here to talk about Starfinder, a brand new RPG role-playing game that is coming uh, in August of 2017. Now, last year uh, at PaizoCon, the company Paizo announced that they were going to create Starfinder and release it in August of 2017. And since then, they've kind of teased out some information along the way. Uh, Gen Con, which is a large convention for gamers, uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta and some other places, they've slowly been giving us a, a little bit more and more. Uh, headed towards a release of the game itself in August at uh, Gen Con 2017. So, as we think about that, so, Clay, what excites you about the idea of Starfinder? Oh, gosh, everything. And I'm going to answer your question, Jaws, but first of all, you're doing a podcast. This is amazing. This is the very first Nerds on Earth podcast. Yeah, if you've never been to our site before, we like to cover all things nerd, uh, role-playing games, board games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, video games, movies, TV. If you've ever been called a nerd in your life, we probably have something that you would enjoy on our site. And I uh, have and been called a nerd many times in my life. D- most definitely. And for sure, one of the nerdier things that is out there is probably uh, role-playing games, tabletop dice games. And um, and Starfinder is, looks to be the next in, in the line of there. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Starfinder and why Paizo in particular might be an interesting choice to release this game. At the turn of the 21st century, the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons was the undisputed king of role-playing games. It was built around a 20-sided die, and it featured a system of skills, powers, and feats that allowed for nearly unlimited customization of characters. A short time later, Wizards of the Coast released a revised and updated 3.5 edition, and that was notable for releasing this D20 system under what was called the Open Game License. This created an open source environment that ignited a lively third-party market for RBG products. As a result, D&D 3.5 had hundreds of volumes to support it. Put a pin in this. Part of this RPG support was through D&D's two long-running magazines, Dungeon and Dragon. In 2002, Paizo Publishing was formed by several old Wizards of the Coast employees in order to take over the publishing duties of those long-running magazines. And Paizo did fantastic work. One of the experiments that Paizo began shortly after taking over Dungeon Magazine was a series of what they called Adventure Paths. The first was called The Shackled City and provided a 12-part adventure intended to take characters from 1st to 20th level. 
Fans loved him. Years passed. Wizards of the Coast decided two things. First, magazines were a thing of the past, they thought, so they canceled both Dungeon and Dragon magazine, replacing them with an online digital subscription service. Second, they decided they needed a new edition of D&D to stay relevant amidst the rise of video gaming, and they created D&D 4th Edition. Commercially, 4th Edition was a huge, embarrassing, stinky poo-flop. Many tabletop role players rejected Wizards' new edition, instead choosing to stay with 3.5. But 3.5 was no longer a part of the core business strategy at Wizards. But the folks at Paizo were shrewd. They had already built a reputation for writing quality material in the magazines. Plus, the open gaming license allowed them to publish 3.5 material. And being that they were out of a job, what did they have to lose? So Pathfinder was born, a role-playing game that was built around the adventure path model they pioneered in the magazines. To this day, Paizo still publishes great RPG content that utilizes those old D20 rules as a foundation, but has been refined, appended, polished, and fleshed out under the Pathfinder brand. And it is so good! Pathfinder content is consistently well-written, and they are prolific meaning role players get whatever flavor they can dream up, be it adventures, class books, equipment guides, setting books, whatever. Now with 10 years of experience behind them, they're at the top of their game, but they are in no way complacent. They have their eyes set to the stars. They will soon release Starfinder, which will give Pathfinder fans a science fiction playground. Paizo has shown they have the ability to understand the market, they have the creativity, they have the experience. And now they have fans lining up for Starfinder. We can't wait. I think one of the things that's true about Paizo is if they have a 10-year-old property that existed even in some form before that, and they have supported it in some some amazing ways. Um, for example, there's the Pathfinder Society, where you can go online, find the people that are uh, playing Pathfinder, find a game for yourself. I mean, that sort of community involvement is huge. But then they've also been great in terms of continuing to produce content that catches people's attention. So if you go back and look at the history of Pathfinder, they're what they call adventure paths, that they began even before sort of separate, they were part of the Dragon Magazine or the Dungeon Magazine, where they would take, uh, they would tell a story that if you were a game master, dungeon master, you could follow their path, you could follow their story, and take a group of characters from the very earliest low-level characters to, you know, the best of the best, the top uh, maxed out characters. And that kind of um, vision, I think, is going to pay off in launching a new property uh, and launching Starfinder, I think it's going to help them be able to take those ideas and move them uh, into a, a different setting. I think um, I think I'm, I think a lot of the excitement around Starfinder is going to be because Paizo is involved, because Paizo is a trusted name among your hardcore RPG gamers in a way that um, I mean, let's be honest. It, before fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, there were a lot of people that looked at D&D properties with sort of a skeptical side eye. Um, and in part, because of that, Pathfinder grew and, uh, and thrived, and it's kind of become what it is today. They've built a separate world, not just in gaming products, but as I, I know, Clay, you've read their books. They put out... Yep. Um, they put out stories. They put out novels. 
Um, there's a lot they do really well, really smartly to, uh, to help uh, just make a great universe and a great game. Oh, absolutely. They'll, they'll find their niche and they will support it and their fans will be all in. I mean, let's be honest. We are making a podcast about a game that has not been released yet. That's how excited we are. Yeah, I mean, clearly we did not go to business school to make a podcast about a game that has not been released yet. Isn't very smart, but it shows you how excited we are. Well, and I and I think because if you if you're like us and you're a nerd, uh, obviously the world of Tolkien, the world of fantasy catches your attention. But just as much, you know, we we are children of Star Wars and Star Trek and Firefly. And Firefly. And I and absolutely to, and to see that. Uh, as a possibility of, man, if I could get the same kind of game experience in an outer space setting that I get sort of in a medieval fantasy setting, I think that that's, um, that's something that should catch our attention. And I think um, I think that we should talk a little bit about it. So one of the things that we do know about the game is this. Um, it is going to be still set in the same world of Galarian, but uh, in an indeterminate amount of time into the future. And I think that's an interesting move by Paizo to uh, to connect to what they've already have in terms of properties, but also to sort of move into the future. And I think it's a smart thing storytelling-wise that they're not trying to explain what and how, right? They, they're basically saying something happened, now we're this far into the future, and they're leaving it alone. Now, Will they fall into the trap that a lot of people do and try to go back and fill in that gap? I would bet probably eventually. But uh, but for now, it's an interesting thing. Um, I think it's exciting because it lets some things move forward uh, from that Galarian Pathfinder world into the new world. So, for example, we know one of the races in uh, Pathfinder uh, is carried forward. The idea of dwarves moves forward and is going to be uh, one of the, the playable races and, uh, and Starfinder. So it's pretty interesting to think about that kind of thing. And you've seen sort of steady growth in Pathfinder moving towards building some mechanics that might work in Starfinder. So um, the world of Pathfinders has gunslingers. It has some, uh, some of those mechanics that are out there that I think will probably, you will see and recognize some in, uh, in Starfinder. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what some of the reasons that we're excited about Starfinder. Um, one for me is the more you listen to the creators of it, the more you keep hearing the two word phrase space opera. Like, uh, Clave, what does that say to you? Well, first of all, it's it. Yes, Galarian exists, but they're being a little coy about it. They say it exists, but technically Starfinder is set on Absalon Station which we're assuming is a space station that's going to be as big as a continent the way Galarian is. And as you said, it's got that it's got that funny little time shift it's set in the future. Some memories are lost. So uh, so they're definitely holding back a, a, a little mystery, and it'll be interesting to see if they go back to that. But they did release this book called Distant, Distant Worlds, I think, that set up some of the planets already. So, yeah, they, they, uh, they teased it a little bit. And now they're uh, they're all in, and it's and it's fun. And when they say space opera, to me, that's spaceships, that's you know technology, that's alien races. But it's like fun, pulpy, uh, 
and story, a lot of story that goes with that. You know, when I think space opera, I think of Firefly um, and just how much fun that show was, but just kind of this gritty, realistic. It wasn't super high future tech. It was, uh, but it was ships and it was uh, different planets. And I love that. Yeah, I, I think that that has been one of the things that has stuck out to me. So obviously, uh, the TV show Firefly, the movie Serenity, has a very sort of um, set environment in terms of what the future looks like. You know, it's it's the cross between the old West and um, and technology. Uh, I, I think it's a great example of what this game could be, and I think there's a little bit of what they're doing that makes you think. It will go that way. Um, so they recently, Paizo did a humble bundle uh, over the winter, and part of it is they uh, they test played in front of uh, cameras. It's up on YouTube. Um, a session of uh, of Starfinder, and uh, and if you watch that, you really do see it. Sort of has the same idea. I mean, you almost can hear uh, Malcolm Reynolds saying, "The goal is simple: find a crew, find a job, keep flying." You know, they they discover an abandoned ship. They sort of go into it. They have to attack the creatures there. Uh, there's a lot that you go, man, I, this feels familiar in the best way possible. And I think that that's going to catch uh, people's attention. I, I, I like that idea of thinking about the crew that you're playing with in your role-playing game are a crew of a ship. And that's one of the things Starfire, Starfinder has definitely talked about is um, – that ships are going to be a big part of it. So we, I think we know less about that, but what are your thoughts around that idea that um, the ships are going to play an integral part, at least in some, some ways in terms of being a home for your characters, but also we know like there's some sort of ship to ship combat stats and things that are going to happen as well. So what do you, what do you think about that idea? Oh man, I'm dying to get a hold of that core rule book just to figure out how that's going to work because they are clear. They're like, okay, Part of this is you have an adventuring party that's a starship crew. And I don't know how the mechanics are going to work other than it's on a hex. So it's hex-based, which I think is a lot of fun. And I love the X-Wing game by Fantasy Flight, and I love that sort of sort of thing. So I'm excited as much for the starship combat. But they talked about how yeah, the different crew members, and I don't know if they've been super specific, if there's, you know, a captain and a navigator and an engineer and a gunner. Uh, but, man, I just think about the Millennium Falcon when that happens and whenever they would get ready to jump to hyperspace and, you know, Chewie would jump into the co-pilot seat and then Luke would go down into the gunner's turret. And uh, how fun is that? to play it with a, with a 20 sided die. As long as you give me my 20 sided die and, and make it fun and interesting. I'm in. Yeah. And it seems like they, they, as you said, they've been a little bit coy about this, but my gut says part of how the ship combat is going to work is, um, every character is going to have a role to play. And I think that's smart from the standpoint of keeping people engaged. Um, I can't imagine sitting around the table, everybody gets on the ship and then the quote unquote captain just makes all the decisions from there. As a, as a player, that could be pretty boring, but my gut says they know that and are going to figure out a way to make sure everybody's engaged in those battles. Maybe, Absolutely. maybe gunners and pilots and, you know, support staff, all those kind of pieces all, all working together, which I think is a, is a smart move. And I in no way can imagine how that's going to work. 
I'm, yeah, I'm really I'm, excited to get that core rule book. Yeah, and as we know, they just sent it to the publishers we're recording, and um, rumors are it is 560 pages, and um, I, I that's sort of is an astonishing number. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure you know chunks of it are going to be due to things that we expect, how to build a character, the basic core rules. But I think some of it is going to have to be things we don't know anything about, which is sort of the ship-to-ship combat and that kind of thing. And speaking of which, I think it's also interesting to look at. Um, so we live in a world where nothing's a secret right now, right? If you're gonna right. if you're gonna publish something, if you're gonna put something out, you got to give a SKU number to Amazon. And when that happens, things get created. So uh, just this week, if you looked on Amazon and you sort of are paying attention, they released that there's going to be a lot of Starfinder product that drops right at the beginning of um, the game release. So. Things that they've talked about before, they're going to have their own version of a Starfinder Society. If you want to play Starfinder, there'll be a place you can go, sign up, find a game, get a crew. I think that's uh, really exciting. We know they're already prepared and will release when the game drops their first sort of Starfinder adventure path, which is, I think, a smart move. Um, as much as some people are going to want to come and take and homebrew, make their own story. There are going to be people that want to play the game, and uh, having a great first story to play makes a lot of sense. And but on that, also, and on yeah, that note, is it's, it's so interesting that the homebrew numbers, there's, I think most Pathfinder players, they do homebrew to a certain extent, which is, which is common, uh, that you're going to tweak it and adjust it a little bit. But their adventure paths are so amazing. And the writers at Paizo are so good that why why would you ever homebrew Pathfinder when you have a great story like that? So I'm so excited about the Adventure Paths, and I know, yeah, you just know they're going to be good with the track record that Paizo has with these stories that they're going to tell. It's going to be great. Well, and if you watch the Paizo blog, they are celebrating to a high level that everything just went to the printers, which says to me, this has been a project that is taking a lot of people's time and energy and focus. And that only makes me more excited to think about this isn't a thing they gave to two or three interns and sent them over in the corner to figure out. This is something that they have uh, been working hard at. And it shows up. Uh, other things that showed up on Amazon, uh, pawns, which are sort of miniature cardboard figures. But even beyond that, uh, they announced that there will be very early on in the life of Starfinder uh, real miniatures that you can buy uh, and play with. Um, I think it's really exciting to sort of think about Paizo taking all that they've learned from Pathfinder and using that to launch Starfinder means that uh, it's got a great chance of success. I, I think that that's a, a huge thing. You'll buy every pawn. I'll buy every miniature. <laughs> at, at least. I, at least. I'll, I will buy two of every Starship miniature. And I think that's such a good point that you made that they're taking the lessons from Pathfinder, the lessons learned and putting and going all in on Starfinder. And uh, to reflect back on what we said earlier, I think they want to show off just how good they are as designers. Uh, because I, I, I think I would, I would have a chip on my shoulder if that, if I were them and folks would say, Oh, you know, it's just D and D 3.5. Uh, Man, it is Pathfinder is so good, and I think that they're going to take all those lessons learned 
apply it to a modern design sensibility, and they're really going to show off what they can do. Yeah, and and I mean, I think you see that if you if you go and you you do a Google search for Starfinder, you look around. I mean, it shows up even in things like the artwork. Like they they have not released a ton, but what they have is gorgeous. I mean, I, I would buy posters of it right now. Um, they're not skimping at this launch, and I think that 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 more than anything makes me excited. Um, so obviously, this wouldn't be the first time somebody's tried to make a science fiction role playing game. Um, there are lots of examples out there. Um, most of them are usually tied to some sort of other intellectual property. There's a Firefly role-playing game. There have been various iterations of Star Wars role-playing games. But this is something that I think is going to be unique and that Paizo is taking all of those lessons that they've learned. And one of the things that I think is true about Paizo and Pathfinder is they do a fantastic job of establishing their world and then holding it loosely and letting other people sort of play with around the edges. And what I mean by that is they've um, they've created contracts and things so that if we as an independent company, if somebody as an independent company had an idea and they want to make a Pathfinder product or now a Starfinder product, Paizo will partner with you. Um, it's on their website. You can go find the contract and the language that's there. It's one of the first things they put up officially on their website. Uh, in regards to Starfinder, and it made me really interested to see what are other people going to add to you know this world as it as it grows and it expands, um, and it's exciting to think about like anybody that adopts Starfinder that goes in on this first adventure path, you're at the start of a world that could grow and grow and grow um, across it across the uh, you know the next few years. I don't think this is a product that they are going to launch. In a year from now, shutter because they didn't build enough steam. I think it's got a, a real potential to be something uh, new and different, but also something that if they're if they're making a long play, it's a great idea of somewhere to start. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what are some of the things that might make you nervous about uh, Starfinder. Well, I think you just mentioned one. I think some some folks have criticized that. They don't want their science fiction and fantasy to mix, that they like hard sci-fi, um, high fantasy, which is bizarre to me. They're they're peanut butter and chocolate. Um, and particularly when you think about Star Wars and the Force, you know, this the Star Wars is so much fantasy in the in the midst of this science fiction world. Um so I, I have heard early that some folks are like, ah, I don't I don't want magic uh, or I don't I don't want fantasy, which I think is silly. But I I get where they're coming from. So I think that's that's one thing that has made folks nervous that I'm excited about. I, I'm like, give me my give me my wizards in space. I I love Jedi. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting thing for them to. To sort of take the history they know behind magic and combine it now with sort of futuristic science. Um, in watching the uh, the the test play that they put online uh, with the humble bundle, it uh, there's definitely both pieces there, and I and I thought it worked pretty well. No, no, neither sort of overshadowed the other, and I think it's an interesting thing to sort of think about. It lets them. Uh, do the things they do really well. The magic system of Pathfinder is really well thought out. It's really diverse. There's lots of different classes. And then sort of eventually merge that over into um, 
into Starfinder. So over time, as they add more classes and races in Starfinder, I, I think it'll be interesting to see that balance between magic and science and that they don't let one overwhelm the other. I, I, I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, I, I will say one of my concerns is if you're a new gamer and you're just starting out with Pathfinder, uh, man, the rules are really dense. Oh, Meaning for sure. There's a lot of them, and and I think the more you play, the quicker you're able to to pick up on it. I, I worry if um if they have not in some ways made the rules a little bit less dense with Starfinder, people that aren't Pathfinder people that are coming to try Starfinder could potentially be turned off if if the rules are overly complex for uh for beginners. Yeah, again, I hate to come back to this, but as long as they got that D20 system, uh, nerds like me will be happy. But Pathfinder is dense, and you have – I mean, look at the Glass Cannon podcast, guys, and they they have an entire article series called We Are Stupid where they mess yeah. up, where they mess up the, uh, the rules from time to time. And, and you'll hear them over the course of their podcast uh, talk about the rules and, and maybe get some wrong or – You'll have to look things up. And those guys are professional Pathfinder nerds. Like <laughs> they know Pathfinder backwards and forwards because the rules are dense. But again, I think that Paizo is using Starfinder as an opportunity to bring some modern design sensibilities to the game. Uh, I, I I don't think it'll, it will be as slim as 5E. Uh, 5E is notoriously rules light and i love it i think it's great um because i'm confident just kind of ad-libbing and and house ruling as you go but i recognize that a lot of folks they really like to have the rules clearly defined because they feel the rules uh help them become better players and so i understand that so i don't think it'll be as light as 5e but i think they will streamline it uh, certainly, and and this is crazy talk. This is this is why I'm. You might fire me from the podcast, but <laughs> I think if Starfinder does well, you gotta know, you gotta think that Paizo wants to do a Pathfinder 2.0. They released the Pathfinder Unchained book where they started playing with some different rules, and you gotta think at some point they want to try out some more streamlined modern rules sensibilities and what if like it's crazy but what if starfinder rules click they connect with players and then paizo says hey maybe five years from now we launch a pathfinder 2 that uses these rules and and begin to iterate that way Uh, that's probably crazy but i i do think they will take this opportunity though to work on the rules and streamline them and bring a more modern sensibility to them though yeah and and it's clear when you you hear them talk like we did at dragon con last year and some other places they didn't go all the way back to let's start from scratch they they um they're taking what they already have and um and figuring out ways to tweak it and i and on some levels i like it 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 won't be long before there will be a very easy way to port a Pathfinder character into Starfinder and probably vice versa. Right. Um, and so I, I think there's a ton of potential there. Um, I, it would be interesting, though, to know what the long-term business plan is for Starfinder. Um, 
if if they're counting on in the first year, it's going to become super dominant. I I don't know. I, I don't think it will be. Yeah, and I think in part, like it's a long play, and I, and I like what you're saying. And part of the long play is if this goes well, it lets them innovate and do some things down the road with their other properties like Pathfinder or even new things. I, I think that's an interesting thought there for sure. And um, right, and and the numbers just say that in terms of role playing games, fantasy is just more popular than science fiction, and. And I I love science fiction, and there have been other science fiction games out there, and you know there's a there's a current Star Wars game, but I just can't get into it because of the dice system. It it just doesn't connect with me. But still, <laughs> fantasy is more popular than science fiction, and D and D is the is the brand name. Um, and so you know it, it's going to be a niche. Uh, but I think it'll be a successful niche. I think it'll be a profitable niche. And if it's profitable, that's what makes the difference. And they'll support it with their, their adventure pass, so there'll be good stories. They'll come out. They've already announced, I think, a, uh, it's not going to be called a monster manual or a bestiary, of course. Alien something. Um, sure, yeah. So they're going, there's going to be a hardback book uh, a couple months after the core rule book. So I, I think it'll be profitable, and if it's profitable, that will allow them to, to continue to reinv- to invest those profits back into the game and to see if in a few years if it can find its legs. Yeah, and the long play definitely seems to be what they could be aiming at, and I think it could pay off for them. I mean, I think there's a market for this kind of game that nobody's really been able to capture yet, in part because um, – Let's be honest. Some of it's been tied up in the intellectual property, which means they are making decisions based on things other than role-playing games. If that Star Wars game was giving you your D20, you might be more willing to do it. And instead, it's Absolutely. got a convoluted multiple dice system that makes you go, I don't want to learn from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I think Starfinder is not going to feel like that. I think it's going to feel familiar if you're used to playing role-playing games. And on top of that, it's going to have starship combat on a hex. Absolutely. Boom. Which I, I think is also an interesting thing, right? It's it's something totally different, right? And uh, and I think that that will allow players to engage in different ways and uh, all the things we've talked about. So we're obviously pretty excited about Starfinder, even though it is uh, several months away from being released here. Uh and in fact, so much, we're going to continue to, to talk about it. So what can you expect from this podcast moving forward? Well, for one, we're going to be paying attention and uh, what is all the best and the, the most interesting new Starfinder news. And so on uh, future episodes, we'll kind of do a rundown of things we've learned or things that have made us excited about the potential. Uh, we also are going to be able to, uh, to talk to some of the people that I helped create it. Uh, Paizo has been gracious enough to agree to some interviews where we'll be able to talk about the game and ask some of our questions and see what else will be, uh, be coming down the pipe uh, in regards to Starfinder before its release. I think after that, we're going to do some deep uh, dives into parts of the game. So we know about some of the classes that have been released. We know about some of the races. So we'll speculate on some of that because that's what nerds do best. And we'll also sort of pay attention to what Paizo is saying and releasing. Um, I anticipate there'll be a lot of information around May 
uh, when PaizoCon 2017 comes out. So I'm sure that there will be some stuff coming out of that. And if all goes well, I think Skid from the Glass Cannon Podcast is going to come and join us and talk about um, the history of uh, role-playing games, science fiction role-playing games, and, uh, and why he's excited about Starfinder as well. Yeah, this is the internet. It's irresponsible not to speculate. So I'm just excited <laughs> to hear what in the world Skid has in his brain that might yeah, become absolutely. the Starfinder. Well, and, and we'll then be an interview with the writer of the Adventure Path, Rob McCreary, is going to be fantastic. And so yeah, it's going to be a great story. I'm excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. It was exciting to think about. We'll, we'll be able to get a glimpse into uh, the person that's gotten that first story of this new game and uh, and how that will work and, and play. And, uh, and his story about how he got to, to Paizo is pretty interesting. I hope we get to talk some about that as well. So a lot to happen, and our hope is eventually um, when the game is out in our hands that maybe we'll even launch a, 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 a play podcast where we will be playing through that first adventure path. You all can follow along with us and see kind of what happens and what comes next. So so we're, we're clearly excited. We hope uh, the rest of you all are as well. And um, if you like the podcast, uh, tell your friends, especially your nerdy friends about it. Help it uh, rise in the iTunes ratings. That's where people uh, a lot of times find podcasts. And, uh, and help us spread the word because uh, we want Starfinder to succeed, obviously. And, uh, and we would love to be a part of that and um, continue to tell great stories. So, all right. With that, I think we're going to sign off. Clave, thanks for joining this first episode. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, and just real quick before I leave, I, I know you probably have a really fascinating sign-off planned, but I just want to lobby for keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Just think <laughs> about it. You don't have I, to use it, but consider it, please. It, it sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> I may have taken it from somewhere. <laughs> All right. And with that, uh, we're going to head back out into the drift. Until next time, nerds. You've been listening to The Drift, presented by Nerds on Earth. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, head over to iTunes and give the show a review. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and come back for more. In our next episode, we'll be talking to Rob McCreary from Paizo, who is a senior developer for Starfinder and the writer of The First Adventure Path. Much thanks to our audio engineer, Andrew Danielson. You can find him on Twitter at The Danielson. That's T-H-A Danielson.